There is a famous folktale about a blind man examining an elephant. It likely originated in India and then spread around the world. According to this folktale, blind men are examining an elephant. One feels his truck and declares it to be a snake. One feels his tail and declares it to be a rope. Others determine that the elephant is a wall, pillar, spear or fan, depending on where they are touching it. But each insists he is right. So much quarreling ensues. Because God is beyond human imagining, we are forever grouping around for God in the dark. It is foolish to say that your religion alone is true and all other religions are false. No one has the old truth, but each is touching the elephant. End of quotation. <laughs> but this is not to say that all religions are one. Or at least mm -hmm. this is the main thesis of this book. Yeah, of this. Uh, and this was actually like a, a, a quotation from, from the book. I mean, one nice passage that the author uh, reminded of uh, offering us. Yes, this tale, this folk tale, was taken by from the book God is Not One, The Eight Rival Religions That Run the World and Why Their Differences Matter by Stephen Protero. Also, this folk tale demonstrates how different religions are, since it has been told in various ways and put in various uses by various religious groups. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess it may sound a bit weird at first, our choice of reading uh, a book on religion, I mean, given our usual topics, but um, the author went exactly to our point when we decided to do it, to read this book. And uh, he mentioned in the, introduction, in the introduction of the book, uh, quoting again, <laughs> um, no one argues that different economic systems or political regimes are one or the same. Capitalism and communism are so obviously different. The same goes for democracy and monarchy. Yet, many claim that religious rivals, such as Hinduism and Islam, Judaism and Christianity, are essentially the same. God is not one. End of quotation. And this was exactly what triggered me to say, yes, this is why this is uh, probably um, a matter of... Uh, a nice discussion that we can have on the podcast mm -hmm. and uh, also history demonstrates how politics and religion have long been intertwined so what happens we ask when there is a conflict between men's laws and god's laws religious elements were present since always in the world's political systems from totalitarian to democratic and of course there has been much more focus on religion in public life uh, with the recent rise of fundamentalisms of various kinds, both Christian, Muslim and others, of course. And exactly that's why it's so important to be religiously literally, literate, yeah. to understand yeah, exactly. the differences and how they affect the world that we all navigate. Precisely. I mean, with the increase in the diversity of uh, religions uh, in the most populated countries of the world, the dangers of sectarianism are more emergent. 
naturally. And in the book, the author is considered the most influential religion to be Islam. In fact, about one-fifth of the world's population self-identify as Muslims, which places Islam second only to Christianity in terms of adherence. And then the author uses other criteria to uh, to, sel- to select... Yeah, to justify why he considers some to be more influential and others, not only on the matters of which has more adherence, but on other variables, of course. And um, yet, when we talk about precisely this one, is that some people uh, don't seek to understand a bit of the most influential uh, religions because, and and they might sometimes make, uh, I mean, bad confusions like between Islam and Islamism, which are two uh, different things. I mean, as in other religions, there are moderate and extremist uh, discourses on religion. Mm -hmm. Islamism is a radical form of politicized Islam and anti-Western ideology sort of of groups such as the Al-Qaeda. And uh, there are many other extremist discourses on many other uh, religions, and it's important hence for someone to be at least a bit religiously literate when someone is going to talk about an issue of religion, you know? Yeah, that's why I personally really enjoyed this book, because um, its purpose is divided in two parts. Uh, the first one is that it teaches about the main religions. It acts like like a religion 101 um, manual or textbook. Uh, mm-hmm. In the descending order that the author puts it of um, greatness and influence, the religions come from Islam, Christianism, Confucianism, Hinduism, Buddhism, the Aruba religion, and Judaism and Taoism. Uh, this is how he orders it from descending from the one that has a greater influence in the world today and the one that has the least, but still considering that there are the main religions of the world. Mm-hmm. The other the other purpose of the book is precisely the, ar- the argument that we first encounter in the introduction. And it's very compelling, at least in my point of view. And the idea is just really simple but I never thought of it in the way that he puts it. Um, although it is, uh, he says that although it is very understandable how some academics try to, to turn down the religious conflicts by adopting the idea that religions are the same, uh, which is not wrong, of course, uh, but it's still, as he puts it, very a very dangerous idea because to promote respect between religion, this religious discourses, it means that we accept that there is diversity in religion. So why would you want to promote respect if something is the same? So exactly. what he, what he says basically is that it's very simple. Uh, respect mm-hmm. e- exists in diversity. Therefore we cannot say that religions are just one and also because uh for people that are of that religion they will probably not accept easily the discourse of saying that their practices and uh their beliefs are the same as the other ones in other religions and that would not likely foment respect 
and mm. could actually increase the conflicts instead of toning them down. Exactly. And uh, as we usually say, if we are going to disagree, we have to agree on what we are disagreeing on. <laughs> so that's precisely what you, you just referred. And uh, I mean, well, in one thing they, they all agree, as the, as the author th says, is that uh, there's something wrong with the world, or humans at least. Yeah, exactly. But that's only the starting point of each religion. They then do a different assessment of what that wrongness is and actually what the cure for that wrongness is. Uh, each of the great religions over offers its own diagnosis of the human problem and its own prescription for a cure. So it offers also techniques for reaching the goal, the religious goal that is also different. Exactly. And that cure that the, the different religions mention has sort of guided, curiously, like the way that societies interact with their surrounding environment in their daily lives, even if, if those, those persons are not per se very religious religions just by the fact that their surrounding environment is more prone to have certain beliefs or certain religions that has a, a certain influence on on the pets in society mm. uh, definitely and also um, this this helps you not only to see this on a bigger picture but personally um It, it made me think about the role that religion plays in my own life. I don't know if you also felt that way, but for I me... I mean, a bit. I'm not very religious, but yeah, yeah, I, I get your point. Uh, I will try to, to tell you how it made me think. Um, obviously, it increased the knowledge that I have on the eight religions, but it also mm -hmm. helped me realize why perhaps... Um, I don't really relate completely with the religion that I was bro brought up with. Um, I was obviously born, and you too, into a mostly Christian and within Christianity Catholic society. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I always felt unsatisfied with the answers that I was being given by Christianity. Uh, <laughs> I understand now that that's because I'm not looking for what Christians are looking for, which is the path towards salvation. Yeah. I'm not obviously assessing or evaluating anything in regards to the validity of Christianity. I ju I'm just saying that personally, the way I don't identify because I'm not looking for the same answers. Maybe I, I'm looking for other type of answers that other religions will be much more suitable for me. Um, mm -hmm. I think that I identify as a less with the monotheistic religions and more with discourses that focus less on the divine. Um, mm -hmm. Although it's always easier to say what I don't identify with than what I identify with. Um, yeah, I'm still figuring out my beliefs, but... But wait, are you going to say that you strongly liked uh, Confucianism? Well, uh, I obviously I am intrigued by it. I'm not saying that it's... <laughs> The, the religion I identify the most with, but I mean, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued with all of them. 
And the book yeah. really, really uh, increases our interest and uh, at least my curiosity about learning more about the religions as a topic of study in itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I meant Confucianism because you were saying that uh, you're looking for uh, different answers and like the way your discourse is going, I was like, oh, okay, she's probably going to mention this one. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is that, yeah, exactly. I mean, as for me, I just wanted to know more um, because, I mean, we can't possibly try to understand um certain societies without knowing because like at least for us uh, there is a, a huge diversity but there are some religions that have uh, that their followers are more religious mm -hmm. so to say if you know what I mean mm -hmm. and um, perhaps because uh, among the most influential uh, religions Confucianism is one that works more as a way of life an ethic And uh, it focuses so much on education. This has especially caught my attention. I mean, Confucianism has no formal religious uh, hierarchy, such as the Vatican for Christians, uh, no official priesthood, and cares the least about theology, about among uh, all the, the religions that are considered in the book. And um, Confucius was actually a married man, and he had children. And mm. um, unlike religious traditions that focus on the relationship between the individual and the, the divine, Confucianism focuses on the relations on the relationships among individuals. So I could much more like at least identify or understand uh, this way of thinking because, as I said, it was more. It is more sometimes seen as an ethic, you know, mm, not so much about obeying something. Yeah, yeah. So it intrigued me. Uh, I, I understand what you said about not being as religious in the sense that uh, actually exactly. uh, there's a lot of people questioning if Confucianism is actually a religion or not, because uh, as the author mentions, it focuses less on the divine than maybe all of the other religions. Uh, mm -hmm. And also you were saying that focuses on the relationships among individuals and focus, focuses much more on the social side of things. Uh, each mm -hmm. of us in Confucianism can flourish uh, and by flourishing we bring order and harmony to society um, and the solution that they have for their problems is education which for Confucius was more about building character than about acquiring knowledge um, mm -hmm. also Confucianism has obviously been criticized for being less flexible and mutual in terms of the five relation, uh, relationships that promotes, like ruler, subject, parent, child, husband, wife, elder brother, younger brother, and friend, friend. Uh, but even the author, Prothero, recognizes that despite the, he's, he was not uh, an initial fan of Confucianism when he started learning about re uh, religions, This has actually been the religion that grew the most on him from learning more and more about it and thinking more about it. Exactly. And um, isn't it curious that now on a political scientist sort of <laughs> note, mm -hmm. um, today Confucianism is rising again in China where it uh, originated. But during the 20th century, 
Um, Confucianism was not that well regarded, especially by Communist Party officials in China uh, following the formation of the People's Republic of China. And um, with the Republic Revolution, actually, I read this on the book uh, that in 1911, Confucianism was seen as possibly oppressive and um, impeditive to modernization because of its strict codes of ethics and even a hypocritical sense of morality. So here we start to see the, the touch, um, the connection between uh, religion and uh, society. And, and society, exactly, and the connection that politics does with these things. Yeah, but both on the Republic Revolution in 1911 and later in 1949 when the People's Republic of China were established, I guess they were trying to separate the most they could the religious values that people had in mind with the political values that they were trying to ensue. Uh, Taoism as well, that was really scrutinized at times and it has only been recognized as one of china's five official religions later when then deng xiaoping came to power in 1978 though for a different reason uh whereas confucians argued that human beings become fully human by becoming social taoists say that we become fully human by becoming natural while this approach may sound thrilling for those of us that feel cage in society it has repeatedly sounded alarms of rebellion and anarchy to chinese rulers mm -hmm. so bureaucrats have typically applauded confucian philosophers more than they tend to applaud taoist um hermits and their poetry Yeah, looking at more examples, uh, actually there are plenty of them in the interaction between uh, politics and um, and religion. If we move a bit north, and um, I guess we can mention also here the historical cases of repression in religion when we think uh, about what happened in the Soviet Union around the same decades. I mean. The USSR uh, became the first state ever to have as one objective of its ideology the elimination of existing religion with the, and with the goal of establishing actually what's called state atheism. Uh, then, as a result of the, the collapse of the Soviet Union, there was an increasing number of countries democratizing. And as you mentioned in the case of China, here again we see a centralist uh, regime sort of fearing the power of the human revolution incited by religious faith, actually. And um, curiously today, besides that past of the Soviet Union, uh, Union uh, Russia is the third country with the most uh, Christians, curiously, only behind the US and Brazil, I believe. Interesting, very interesting. Um, usually we're just like used to studying post-World War II and Cold War, and we tend to focus on regime changes and economic transformations, but it, we should also connect the religious aspect to this transitional period of time. Right, uh, you just show mm -hmm. that by by that example. Um, yeah, yeah. Th these are like 
realities that we tend forget to forget because they are a little bit more distant, I guess. Uh, but states states that got independence after World War II, um, mm-hmm. and they were then given a chance in to in deciding how to direct their countries. Um, they also were given a chance to include what religions they were going to embrace or not. Mm-hmm, exactly. I mean, just think about, I mean, giving more examples of countries, for instance, India. Um, when it happened, India's independence movement from the British rule, um, it resulted on the establishment of uh, India as an independent nation. And by the time it was mostly an Hinduist nation, and almost simultaneously uh, at the time of independence, there also happened a division with Pakistan, where the majority of the population is Muslim. And Gandhi was actually assassinated by a Hindu extremist convinced that he had given too much quarter to Muslims when he agreed to the partition of India and the creation of Pakistan. Actually, there is a, a very cool movie. I guess it's called even Gandhi, just like that, mm-hmm. um, on Netflix that I, that I watched recently. And that's why maybe I, I, I remember this example just now. Yeah, and still today, religion remains a major motivator of conflict in the region of Kashmir, where the two nuclear mm-hmm. powers, uh, the Indo-majority state of India and the Muslim-majority state of Pakistan, remain locked in this Asian territorial dispute, with, which has very palpable religious overtones. Mm-hmm. And not, and also with China, actually that region, and yes, uh, and I I just noticed that uh, as you were speaking, we just gave the the ex- examples of the religions that, except for Taoism, are the ones that the author of the book classified as the four most influential religions among the eight. So maybe we have uh, we were sort of biased uh, also for, mm-hmm. for for what we we knew. Precisely because they are so influential, we came up with these examples. These, these examples faster. Uh, yeah, out of the eight that are already the main ones, these four, I guess, are the four most influential of the eight main religions. Which is a mm-hmm. funny sentence, but it's what the author considers in the book. And it's a pity that we don't have much more time to go into. Other religions mentioned, like Buddhism, the Yoruba religion, Judaism, uh, as well as new atheism, that it's questioned to be an anti-religious religion in itself. And it's actually a very interesting topic that we can maybe, perhaps yeah, in the maybe future, come back <laughs> to. And obviously, uh, we just mentioned tiny little bit of information and knowledge that exists in all of these religions so Mm -hmm. i consider more of this podcast episode of a a short commentary on a very complex topic Mm -hmm. and a very information information filled book that it's almost mandatory to read the book and the episode only comes after as a companion commentary to it uh, I think that's how I see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, actually, 
I mean, I got uh, quite um, surprised by this number. Um, the, the book also told us how it's the estimation for the number of religions worldwide is actually about 10,000. And uh, it's just, uh, I mean, for me, it was just a pity before reading the book to know that I only knew like a, a bit about, uh, I'm, of course, uh, Christianity because it's the, I, I live in a mostly Christian country. But um, yeah, I guess it was a nice exercise for us to, to, to put our heads off uh, thinkers and, um, and to be a bit more uh, considerate of the rest of the world surrounding us and the religions. And of course, like with so many religions, God cannot be one, mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as the book warns us. And as there are 10,000 sync religions in the world, we have no choice in keep paying attention to religion and uh, to study it in our field of studies or any field of studies, as we should, right? Exactly. So, um, as for you, listeners, thank you for joining us in another I Thought About It. Hope you enjoyed. And see you next time. Bye.